0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today.
1: This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. Do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
2: The NCAA women's basketball had an incredibly successful season. And now your favorite players from the 2023 to 2024 NCAA season will be in the WNBA. To all our veteran fans, welcome back. And to all the new fans joining, welcome to the W. This season, watch as proven legends Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, and Sabrina Ionescu continue their dominance while rookies Caitlin Clark, Cameron Brink, and Angel Reese prove themselves on a WNBA court. The WNBA is redefining basketball on their own terms this season, keeping the game and players front and center, while celebrating the intersection of identities and perspectives that align with fans. Welcome to the W. You're in for some world-class basketball.
0: I'm Margaret Brennan in Washington, and this week on Face the Nation. Breaking overnight, the White House and congressional Republicans reach a deal in principle on the debt limit, but will they find the votes to pass it in time to head off a default? Finally, a breakthrough in Washington. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy told reporters late last night that he and President Biden had agreed on a two-year post 2024 election extension of the nation's debt limit and that both sides had made concessions.
3: It has historic reductions in spending, consequential
4: reforms that will lift people out of poverty into the workforce, rein in government overreach.
0: But the plan has a potential for a resounding round of no's on both the far right and the far left in the House, exactly what President Biden feared earlier in the week.
1: We have to be in a position where we can sell it to our
4: constituencies pretty well divided in the House, almost down the middle. And it's not any different in the Senate.
0: We'll talk to the top Democrat in the House, Leader Hakeem Jeffries. And to an ally of McCarthy's, Congressman French Hill. Plus, Chicago Fed President Austin Goolsbee will weigh in on the economic impact. Then, a closer look at the growing concerns over AI with the President of Microsoft, Brad Smith, and analysis from CBS News cybersecurity expert, Chris Krebs and a tribute to the class of 2023, a generation of graduates who face down some unprecedented challenges.
1: You can do hard things because you have already done hard things.
0: It's all just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. With just eight days to go before Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the U.S. will be forced to default on its spending obligations, there is a deal in principle to head off the crisis. The bill is still being written, and we are short on details at this point, but it will include a temporary cap on spending in areas other than defense, veterans, or entitlements. The plan would expand work requirements for able bodied adults who receive some government benefits, including food stamps, but not for Medicaid recipients. And it calls for clawing back some unspent money from COVID relief funds. Leaders in both the House and Senate will now have to convince their members to vote for the bill. And we are seeing signs just in the last hour that it could be a tough challenge. For both sides, House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries joins us now from his district in Brooklyn. Good morning to you. Uh, Let's get straight to it. Can you deliver a majority of Democrats?
5: Well, good morning, Margaret. I do look forward to uh, the White House briefing that's going to take place later on this afternoon uh, with the House Democratic Caucus. We'll be able to have a robust discussion. But let me say this uh, President Biden uh, has delivered a result that avoids a catastrophic default, that prevents us from our economy crashing uh, and stops the extreme MAGA Republicans from triggering a job-killing recession which, as we've seen over the last week or two, increasingly Mm -hmm. seemed to have been a position that they were taking for political reasons.
0: Okay. well, we'll only avoid a default if you can get the votes to get it through. Speaker McCarthy predicted this morning he can get a majority of Republicans, he says. Some Democrats, he thinks, will vote for it. But he also quoted something he says you told him. Listen.
3: I think there's going to be a lot of Democrats that go vote for it too. Right now, the Democrats are very upset. The one thing Hakeem told me, there's nothing in the bill for them. There's not one thing in the bill for Democrats.
0: Did you say that? And how do you convince Democrats?
5: I have no idea what he's talking about, particularly because uh, I have not been able to review the actual legislative text. All that we've reached is an agreement in principle. Now, what I've consistently said... Did you even talk to him? Uh, both privately... I talked to him yesterday afternoon okay Uh, what i haven't talked to him since that point in time what i've consistently said however privately and publicly was that the extreme MAGA republican negotiating position and that the extreme bill that they passed on april 26th the default on america act contained nothing that was consistent with democratic values or Mm -hmm. american values and it was unreasonable to think that that negotiating position was going to be able to result in a resolution that would make sense for the American people when he understood and everyone understood uh, that a bipartisan resolution was the only way forward to avoid a catastrophic default.
0: Uh, Okay, and that's a bill that is going nowhere in terms of the one that was or is being written as we speak. um, The head of the Progressive Caucus, Pramila Jayapal, said on CNN this morning, you need to worry about the left flank of the party. She has 102 members in that caucus. How many Democratic defections do you expect?
5: Well, I've had several conversations with Pramila Jayapal over the last several uh, days and will continue to do so. And I expect that she'll be part of uh, the caucus uh, briefing that takes place later on today. Here's what I can say, uh, is that the agreement that was reached in principle by President Biden does several important things. In addition to avoiding a devastating default that would hurt everyday Americans, it protects social security, it yeah. protects Medicare, it protects Medicaid, it protects veterans. it protects the American people. She's from the concerned type about of devastating environmental spending cuts, environmental policy
0: changes on. and it, food stamps.
5: It protects the, hold, hold, hold on, I'll get to that. It protects the American people from the types of devastating spending cuts that were proposed by Republicans in their Default on America Act. Those are incredibly significant steps forward. Now, in terms of the permitting issue, I haven't had the opportunity, nor have any of us had the opportunity to review uh, what the proposed language may ultimately be uh, in terms of the permitting situation. In terms of SNAP, as I understand it, and again, we'll have the opportunity to review that language Mm -hmm. in a few hours when it is released, Uh, But as I understand it, it will actually result in an expansion of eligibility for people like veterans and the homeless uh, because of changes made to exemptions uh, as a result of what will be in this agreement in terms of the original 1996 law that was passed
0: well according to the white house it's going to relax work requirements for veterans and homeless people but it still pushes up the age uh, to 54 from 49. are you implying do you mean to say here that the white house hasn't kept you fully briefed on the details
5: uh the white house has of course kept all of us fully briefed every step of the way however uh, i do think that as the white house has indicated this is only an agreement in principle There will not be a final agreement until we all are able to review the actual legislative text.
0: Okay. The White House is still calling this a budget deal and a separate debt limit increase, but McCarthy says it's a 150-page bill and not a clean debt ceiling increase. Is this one vote, one bill?
5: Uh, That remains to be seen, and ultimately that's a decision that uh, House Republicans have as their prerogative to make. Yeah. I do uh, hope and expect to see a significant number of House Republicans voting for this agreement. It's my yeah. understanding that they uh, are committed to producing at least 150 votes, if not more. Uh, they were the ones who negotiated this agreement with the White House. Uh, and I expect that they will provide a significant number of votes to get it over the finish line.
0: Okay. So 150 Republicans, you need something in the range of 70 Democrats, do you think you have that?
5: Well, I do expect uh, that there will be democratic support. Once we have the ability to actually be fully briefed by the white house, but I'm not going to predict what those numbers may ultimately look like. We have to go through a process consistent with respecting every single member of the house of representatives and their ability to fully understand the resolution that has been reached.
0: Okay. Well, uh, Jim Himes of Connecticut, not a progressive, um, said this morning, if this vote fails, I think we're going to see the kind of market reaction that none of us want to see. Can you deliver a vote? Can you deliver someone like him? Can you deliver a vote that wins on the first try? He's talking about a market crash.
5: Well, we have to, of course, avoid a market crash. We have to avoid tanking the economy. We have to avoid a default. The reason why we're in this situation from the very beginning is that extreme MAGA Republicans made the determination Yep. that they were going to use the possibility of default to hold the economy and everyday right. Americans hostage. Understood. Period, but that's but that's where we and are right now. And what,
0: that negotiation happened. That's right. You negotiated with them.
5: So here and we that's are. Why I'm th- and that's well, right. And I, so, that, that's why I'm thankful that President Biden has reached a resolution. And that's also why I'm thankful that notwithstanding the fact that they were trying to jam 10 year spending caps yeah. down the throats of the American people, uh, we were able to apparently what? match up a freeze in spending consistent with 2023 levels, wow. 2023 levels, not the 2022 well, levels that yeah. they were trying to extract. There's some and dis- disagreement. make sure that we avoided a catastrophic default.
0: There's some disagreement on those, but we don't have the text, so we, we'll just have to wait on that. But I want to ask about the backup plan. 213 Democrats voted for this discharge petition, this idea of being able to vote to lift the debt ceiling, even if Republicans, uh, if, if the Republican leader doesn't do it you'd need five Republicans. Can you do that? Can you guarantee people that we will not see a default? Yes. All right. Hakeem Jeffries, glad to have you with us. Hopefully we see you here in person next time. We got a lot of work uh, ahead uh, in Congress and also on the Democratic side, Republican side of the aisle. And that's where we're turning now to Arkansas Republican Congressman French Hill, who joins us from Little Rock. Good morning to you, sir.
6: Margaret, good to be with you.
0: Uh, Let's pick up uh, where we just left off. Uh, The leader says 150 Republican votes can be delivered by the GOP. Do you have those votes for this deal?
6: I feel confident that we'll have those votes uh, after people review the text, talk with their colleagues, uh, compare to our goals. Speaker McCarthy is the only person who's just demonstrated urgency on this point, starting when he was sworn in and starting with his first meeting with President Biden to get to a sensible and responsible increase to the debt ceiling. He had two red lines, Margaret, no tax increase and not a clean debt ceiling. And I think he's achieved that.
0: Okay, so it will be just one bill, one vote. That's my view. Uh, Okay, that decision's been made, it sounds like, uh, based on uh, what you're indicating here. In terms of the votes, though, you still have to be able to deliver those 150 Republicans to vote this through. Um, Hakeem Jeffries says he can get the Democrats in line. We'll see. Can you guarantee that this vote will happen and will succeed on first try?
6: I believe it will. I'll tell you why. We had our plan, which we passed, as you noted, on April 26th with the full support of the American right. people to stop the avalanche of spending. And each component we had of limiting the rate of growth, limiting the amount but of that, spending. But that's
0: past tense. I don't want to talk about back. past tense. That bill's no, no, dead. No, it's not We're talking about no, the no, deal that no, just it, was broken. It's out. not.
6: No. I no, want to talk about no, whether you can actually deliver tense. that on
0: Wednesday. This Wednesday is we when can. the speaker we says can. a vote will happen on this tentative agreement.
6: Okay. well, my point is that it's not past tense. Each of the components we had in the bill on the 26th is reflected in this negotiated deal and principle that the speaker achieved with President Biden. And that's why I believe that we'll have those votes on Wednesday because we limit the rate of growth. We cut spending. We claw back unneeded spending and rescissions. We stop unnecessary spending and we get our economy growing with regulatory relief and by encouraging more people back to work.
0: Okay. Well, uh, Chip Roy and others from the Freedom Caucus said they don't even want to see the vote happen, and they're going to try to block it.
6: Okay. Well, they need to read the text and visit with have their colleagues. Have you read colleagues. it? Because we have This is a, not a... per No, I'm going to read it this afternoon when okay. it's posted on the House website.
0: Okay. So uh, in terms of what is being drafted, there, there's differences here in terms of spending freezes and which year we're comparing it to. That The spin from the Republicans and Democrats is very different on this. What is actually going into the text?
6: Well, we're going to limit the rate of spending growth for non-defense, non-veteran spending. It will be at FY22 levels. Uh, Defense and veterans will be at FY23 levels. And then we cap the growth rate in spending 1% a year for six years. That was a key component in the April 26th Uh, bill when we offered one percent of growth uh, for 10 years. Uh, We also were going to go to a massey emmer approach on appropriations bills which finally opens up and gives strength to the appropriations process that if all 12 bills are not passed uh, by September 30th then we go to a continuing resolution at 99 percent of current year spending levels. That's an immense incentive for the Congress to mm-hmm. do its work and pass all 12 bills in the House and the Senate. okay, And that's the spending issue. And then we, we claw back, as you noted, COVID relief money, other rescissions. We yeah. stop the first year of the 10 year increase in the IRS budget. That's nearly $2 billion of spending stopped of that 80 billion that was to be spent over 10 years for hiring IRS agents.
0: Okay. well, we will wait to see that text as well. I want to get to what you're just talking about in terms of of, of freezes. I mean, every American knows that your dollar doesn't go as far as it used to because of inflation. This may be a problem for you in the Senate because we already have Republican Senator Lindsey Graham criticizing this deal and the defense increase, as you referred to it, um, because it doesn't keep up with inflation. How do you sell that? Because well, he, just, is, he's, he said yep. that national security threats are increasing and this is a disaster for the Navy and a win for China and Putin. How do you respond to that?
6: Well, first, I think that's why Speaker McCarthy and President Biden agreed to the $888 billion spending level, which was the president's level plus 3 uh, percent inflation. Uh, was exactly that point contained in this negotiated deal. I also would say, look, we've had a gross overreaction in fiscal and monetary policy since the pandemic. And that's why House Republicans are trying to slow the growth in spending and get back to normal before the pandemic. And all areas are going to have to sacrifice. Yeah. But look, the Speaker and the President agreed. We want to preserve defense, preserve veterans, and take Social Security and Medicare off the table. And those are big chunks of the federal budget.
0: Well, uh, this has to make it through the House and then through the Senate. So it sounds like there's still a lot of convincing you need to do on those points you just (laughs) laid out. Um, Are you worried that the scope of this isn't big enough for you to then go back and sell to some of the skeptical members of your caucus who wanted to see bigger reductions?
6: Well, I'm one of those people that wanted bigger reductions, but I also recognize we control only the House of Representatives. We've got to get it through the Senate, as you note, and the Biden administration controls uh, the central government here. If they were so concerned about the debt ceiling, they could have negotiated with Mm -hmm. McCarthy a lot earlier, or they could have even raised the debt ceiling when they controlled both branches of, of the House and Senate and the federal government in December, but they didn't. So this is the world we have. It's not the spending cuts I would prefer. But when you look at PAYGO on regulatory costs, that's a big change. When you look at the Massey-Emmer note on 99% CR on appropriations, that's a big change. So I think we're in the absolute right direction, and it absolutely follows the goals of House Republicans as laid out on April 26th.
0: All right. Uh, Congressman, thank you very much for coming on, giving us a a glimpse into uh, what Republicans are putting on paper right now. Face the Nation will be back
2: in a minute. Stay with us. You know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you.
7: Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes.
1: There really is no place like home.
7: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.
0: We go now to Austin Goolsbee, who is the current president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago and a former White House economic advisor in the Obama administration. It's good to talk to you. Um, I know you were chairman of President Obama's Council of Economic Advisors when we came to the brink back in, in 2011. Markets are closed tomorrow, but we are still very close to that default deadline. How dangerous is the territory we're in, even with this tentative deal?
8: Well,
9: it's definitely a little dangerous. You know, as as Chair Powell has stated from the beginning, we must raise the debt ceiling. Now, the fiscal decisions, of course, are between Congress and the president, and however they sort it out is, is good by us. But- if you if you did not do that, the consequences for the financial system and for the broader economy would be extremely negative.
0: How important is it that this vote succeeds on the first try?
9: And uh, like I say, that this is a mm-hmm. fiscal decision left to Congress and the president. So I, I, it's it wouldn't be the place for the right. anybody from the Fed to be saying what what they should pass or or how they should vote, but. Yeah. You know, I I liken it to. There's a legitimate argument if you're trying to lose weight. You know, what what can you eat and how much exercise? Everybody should be able to agree that the first strategy should not be cutting off your toe because that doesn't save much weight and it's really painful. And that's that's kind of where the debt ceiling is.
0: Well, Treasury Secretary Yellen has said it's it's already kind of painful um, because she's already seeing uh, borrowing costs uh, and and that go up and that there is a cost to being in this place of brinksmanship, what is, can you in any way uh, quantify what the impact is to the economy being in the place we are?
9: Look, Margaret, you raise a great point that even the anticipation of these problems does have consequences on the economy and does have consequences on financial markets. In a way, this couldn't be happening at a worse time so I, i'm I'm definitely heartened that you saw both parties there on the program expressing confidence that they're going to be able to raise the debt ceiling and and uh, it, because if you if you just look at what's happening to the rates, you already see that that there's fear and uncertainty. But there are multiple steps that can get worse, so if you have Banks already on edge because of the financial and, and banking stresses that we've seen over the last couple of months. Taking the safest asset on anyone's balance sheet, which is U.S. Treasuries, and kind of calling it into question is not good for the banking system. Is not good for lending. Is not good for the real economy. And you'll start to get into other problems, like if the rating agencies downgrade yeah. uh, U.S. treasuries again, then that could raise the interest rates we have to pay even more. Mm-hmm. And you get into secondary problems like there are insurance companies that aren't allowed to hold things that who, whose rating isn't high enough. So let's just avoid it. Let's right. just raise the debt ceiling and, and get on to the next thing.
0: Right. Um, and, and I understand that you're in a very different role now at, at the Fed than you were back then. But this is a complicated economic environment we are in. Um, can you say at this point, I know you haven't seen the text, no one has, um, what this will do to the fight against inflation and some of the choices you will have to make at the Fed?
9: Well, look, as I say, raising the debt ceiling and decisions about the budget, have, that's none of the Fed's business. The law gives the Fed two jobs, maximize employment, stabilize prices. We've done very well on the employment side. We're improving on the inflation side, but we have not succeeded. Inflation is still well higher than where we want it to be. So it, it, at a moment of banking crisis, it will be a great relief if we raise the debt ceiling, we can go back to dealing with the with the matters at hand, which are the real economy side of of employment and inflation.
0: Do you have a sense yet of whether you personally want to Uh, raise interest rates again at this next June meeting?
9: Well, you know, as a voting member of the FOMC, I tried not to make it a point not to prejudge and make decisions when you're still weeks out uh, from the meeting. And we're going to get a lot of important data between now and then. I think the part that makes this job difficult is you got two simple goals but the actions that the Fed takes take months or even years to work their way through the system. So the Fed has raised the interest rate by five full percentage points over the last year. That's the fastest increase in decades uh, Mm -hmm. rivaling ever. And some part of that still has to work its way through the system. So there's no doubt inflation is too high still. It has come down and we're just trying to manage, can we get inflation down without okay. starting a recession? There are people right. who say we cannot, but I think we, that, that we can, and that's for sure the goal.
0: All right, uh, President Goolsbee, thank you for your time. On this Memorial Day weekend, we wanna pause and pay tribute to those who lost their lives protecting our country. We would not be here today without them, and we thank them for their service.
7: Welcome back to
0: Face the Nation. Artificial intelligence is raising concerns on a number of fronts, even among the companies who have devoted considerable resources towards its development. We spoke with Microsoft President Brad Smith late last week. You said AI offers perhaps even more potential for the good of humanity than any invention that has preceded it. I mean, that's an incredible statement.
4: It's fundamentally an invention that can help us all do research, learn more, communicate more, sift through data better. And its uses are almost ubiquitous in medicine and drug discovery and diagnosing diseases, in scrambling the resources of, say, the Red Cross or others in a disaster to find those who are most vulnerable where buildings have collapsed.
0: Like data crunching,
4: essentially. That's one part of it. It identifies patterns in data that may be difficult for humans to access, but in a sense it's gonna impact all of our lives in a multiple of different ways. So think about it as the next step in our ability to learn, communicate, express ourselves.
0: But what should American consumers know about artificial intelligence?
4: It's a co-pilot, if you will, to help us do things. I think one good thing for everyone to know is It's already part of our lives. You know, if you have a Roomba at home, it finds its way around your kitchen, you know, using artificial intelligence to learn what to bump into and how to get around it. So it isn't necessarily as mysterious as we sometimes think. And yet at the same time, it is getting more powerful. It can do much more to help us. And I think the other thing that all of us should think about as Americans is, like any powerful technology, we need to keep it under human control. We need to keep keep it safe. And that will require the work of companies that create it, that use it. It will require, I think, a level of law and regulation as well.
0: You just made a big jump from a Roomba.
4: <laughs> yes, I did. To,
0: you know, the machine takeover here. I mean, when you say that you have to make sure humanity is control in control here, is there really a risk that it won't be?
4: Whenever you have something that fundamentally can do good but could also go and do harm, you put a braking mechanism in place. You put a safety break, an emergency break. We should think about AI the same way. What's the most promising concept you've seen? Well, I do love these examples where AI can detect a disease, a form of cancer, before the human eye or other human doctors might. You take something like pancreatic cancer You know, it is so small when it begins Mm -hmm. that typically it's undetectable to the human eyes of doctors. And yet AI is very good at sifting through patterns and detecting things and flagging them.
0: So what's the next um, interface that people should
4: expect? Think of the ability to, in effect, tell a computer what you want it to do. You don't need to learn to code You can simply say, can you go find information about whether this restaurant is open on Monday nights, and if so, does it take reservations, and how do I make one? You can write that in one sentence and get all of the information back. You no longer have to spend your time clicking on links and finding answers. Take that example and generalize further. You want help, you have writer's block, you've got to write a memo, you need to sift through your email, you want to create a PowerPoint slide, You can tell a computer what you want it to do. As I say, we create what we call a co pilot. Mm -hmm. You don't have to know how to do everything, you just have to know what you want done and how to ask for it.
0: The information's accurate.
4: I do think that it's in part based on using your brain. I've often found in the world of technology, if something doesn't sound right, you should double check. Mm -hmm. That will still be true.
0: On the concerning side of the ledger, Goldman Sachs predicted AI's ascendance will disrupt 300 million jobs here in the U.S. and in Europe. How fast is this going to happen?
4: There will be years, not decades, although things will progress over decades as well. There will be some new jobs that will be created. There are jobs that exist today that didn't exist a year ago in this field. And there will be some jobs that are displaced. There always are. Mm -hmm. But I think for most of us, The way we work will change. This will be a new skill set we'll need to, frankly, develop and acquire.
0: You have a very deep concern here about deep fakes. Now, this is content that looks Mm -hmm. realistic but is completely computer generated. On Monday, there was a photo Mm -hmm. uh, that actually moved the markets. It was a fake photo. It looked real of an explosion near the Pentagon, um, and it was potentially partially created by AI, Mm -hmm. the market sold off quickly. It was fact-checked, but that image was put out there from an account that looked legitimate as well. So how do you stop something like this from happening?
4: We'll need a system that we and so many others have been working to develop that protects content, that puts a watermark on it so that if somebody alters it, if somebody removes the watermark, if they do that to try to deceive or defraud someone, First of all, they're doing something that the law makes unlawful. We mm-hmm. may need some new law to do that. But second, we can then use the power of A.I. to detect when that happens.
0: So that means a news organization like CBS would have video that somehow could be identified besides our little, you know, eye icons, something embedded in there that your computers would see.
4: Yes. To absolutely. say this is real. Yes, That is exactly where this should go. And I would guess and hope that CBS will be absolutely at the forefront of this. You embed what we call metadata. It's part of the Mm -hmm. file. If it's removed, we're able to detect it. If there's an altered version, we in effect create a hash. Think of it like the fingerprint of something. And then we can look for that fingerprint across the Internet.
0: I want to ask you about another topic here that's related, the RNC politics. They put out an attack ad using AI, and I know we have video of it. It was meant to mimic um, a news report from the future, from 2024. It said Joe Biden won the election, and then it shows this dystopia. And in teeny tiny little script in the upper left-hand corner, it says generated by AI. Is that sufficient?
4: I do think that there is some real virtue in telling the public When they are seeing content that has been generated by AI instead of a human being, especially if it is designed to look like a human being, a human face or voice, Mm -hmm. so that people know, no, that's not the real person. We, I think, will need some new standards in that space. Who sets that? This, I think, is one of the issues that we're going to need to discuss together and find a path through. Now, we do need to balance that. We live in a country that I think quite rightly prides itself on free expression.
0: We're on the cusp of a presidential election year. How much of a factor is this going to be, these deep fakes and misleading ads?
4: Well, I think there is an opportunity to take real steps in 2023 so that we have guardrails in place for 2024, so that we are identifying, in my view, especially when we're seeing foreign cyber influence operations from a Russia, a China or Iran that is pumping out information that they know is false and is designed to deceive, including using artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And that will require the tech sector coming together with government. And it really will require more than one government. This needs to be an international initiative. But we've done that in recent years in other spaces. We can do it again. And I think we should.
0: Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, which made ChatGPT, testified recently before Congress and recommended an entirely new federal agency be set up to oversee AI. You like this idea. Yeah. But it's also implying that the federal government is not currently up to the task.
4: We do need more than we have. We need our existing laws to apply. They need to be enforced. But especially when it comes to these most powerful models, when it comes to the protection of the nation's security um, I do think we would benefit from a new agency, a new licensing system, you know, something that would ensure not only that these models are developed safely, but they're deployed in, say, large data centers where they can be protected from cybersecurity, physical security, and national security threats.
0: How do you convince people that this isn't the big, bad tech giant of Microsoft setting the rules of the road and, and running the
4: little guys off of it? We're not suggesting that. Any single company or the entire industry together should be the one to set the rules. We should have the United States government elected by the American people setting the rules of the road. And we should all be obliged to follow them. Look, we need rules. We need laws. We need responsibility. And we need it
0: quickly. There were a number of tech leaders, including Elon Musk and one of the co-founders of of Apple, Steve Wozniak, who called publicly for a six-month pause in AI systems that are more powerful than GPT-4 or have governments institute a kind of moratorium until there are safety protocols in place. Is there something to that? Do we need to tap the brakes a bit here?
4: I'm not inclined to think that that's the answer. First of all, it'll take 12 months to get the government to debate whether to decide whether to have a pause that will last (laughs) for six months. But I think the more important question is, look, what's going to happen in six months that's different from today? How would we use the six months to put in place the guardrails that would protect safety and the like? Well, let's go do that rather than slow down the pace of technology, which I think is extraordinarily difficult. I don't think China is going to jump on that bandwagon. Let's use six months to go faster. Let's adopt an executive order here for the federal government where the government itself says it's only going to buy AI services in certain categories, say. Mm -hmm. From companies that are implementing AI safety protocols and the like. You know, let's start to get some legislation moving.
0: And you think this will happen? Some, some regulation or some legislation in the year ahead?
4: I do. The world is moving forward. Let's make sure that the United States at least keeps pace with the rest of the world.
0: We want to turn now to Chris Krebs. He was the director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency in the Trump administration and is now a CBS News cybersecurity expert and analyst. Good morning to you. Morning, Margaret. Um, I want to start on some of the other news from Microsoft within the past days, which is that they, alongside U.S. intelligence, revealed the discovery of malware from a state-sponsored Chinese actor, embedded in U.S. critical infrastructure that was meant to shut down communications between the U.S. and Asia in the event of a conflict. That sounds a lot like planning for a potential invasion of Taiwan to a lot of analysts. Um, How significant a breach was this?
10: Well, I think it's uh, significant in the fact that it's an escalation or evolution of Chinese capabilities I think it's no surprise that China is in the cyber offensive operations game. Uh, 10 years ago, Mandiant, a cybersecurity company, released a report called APT1 that talked about their espionage capabilities. That same year, uh, there's evidence that they were in US gas and oil systems and stealing network schematics. So from a pure cyber play perspective, China is quite capable. Uh, Even even this year, uh, Director Ray of the FBI said that the Chinese have 50 hackers to every one FBI agent, so they are quite capable. But to your point, what's different about this report is it shows operational preparation of the battlefield. It shows that they are getting in place, that if tensions continue to escalate with Taiwan, they are in a position to cut off lines of communication, logistics, and the ability of the United States to support and defend Taiwan.
0: Yeah, this was in Guam, which is a there's a U.S. military installation there in the Pacific that would be very key in in the event that you just laid out there. But broadly speaking, how vulnerable is U.S. infrastructure to these kind of attacks?
10: Well, I mean, I I think just as Brad Smith pointed out in the previous uh, uh, segment is that we are using technology in virtually every aspect of our lives from Know, day-to-day to operational capabilities and critical infrastructure. So we are highly dependent upon technologies and we don't always implement them in the proper way. And there are vulnerabilities and there are misconfigurations that we've seen bad guys from criminals to state actors take advantage of. But but I think we have seen an improvement in resilience. And I think uh, the, the Ukrainians' performance in the face of a Russian cyber onslaught last year, Uh, shows that you can be resilient, you can prepare, uh, given the right information and the right time and investments to secure and harden and improve systems.
0: Microsoft's proposing an entirely new branch uh, agency, government agency, be set up to regulate AI. Do you think we're at that point?
10: I, I called for the creation of a digital agency last year in a keynote I gave at the Black Hat Conference in Las Vegas. I think We are well past the time that the U.S. government needs to rethink how it engages and creates market interventions on technology, cyber uh, disinformation and and beyond. And AI is probably that kind of forcing function that will push us there. And there is precedent for reshaping government to meet emerging risks. 1939, the Federal Reorganization Act, uh, the the government was reorganized. 2001, in the wake of uh, Mm -hmm. of, uh, 9-11, we reorganized. I think we're on the cusp of that. And I think the issue is that government is not keeping pace with technological yeah. development and the harms that we're seeing in society.
0: Well, the U.S., the Biden administration is looking to restrict the sale of certain technologies, export controls um, to adversaries like China, for example. Um, but the CEO of some, of some of these companies, they don't, they don't like it. Um, N- NVIDIA, which is an AI chip maker, they've pushed back saying Chinese will just build their own chips. What do you think of this solution of trying to export control?
10: Well, China is a significant market for uh, many American companies, whether it's on Wall Street or technology and chip companies. I think the current policy to restrict the more mature and uh, advanced chips uh, to the Chinese market, I think it's a smart policy decision. I think it uh, maintains European and American geopolitical uh, compet- competitive posture. I think we need to think though, how does this apply in an AI model perspective? And I think that's in part what Brad was getting at with his policy agenda. And that is going to take quite some time from a legal and regulatory framework to really scope these things out and figure out at what points of the the economy do we make those interventions.
0: Right, so not a f- quick timeline to turn that around. Um- what do you think i mean hearing a tech giant asked to be regulated is uh unusual <laughs> to say the least um, what are we to make of that
10: well i you know if you kind of sit back and look at it uh, the tech industry is one of the you know least directly regulated there are secondary regulations that come in through uh, the new york uh, state department of financial services for instance in uh, other California laws. But uh, I think when you see this sort of push for regulation, in part it, it says that they're concerned, they're worried, but they're also looking for, I think, a little bit of protection. And I think if you step back and look at kind of the range of risks that you you may encounter across AI, there are very mundane risks that do not require additional regulation. And, and Brad talked about that. And that's you know criminals using AI to build a better mousetrap. It's students using AI to cheat. But as you get further up the kind of the risk hierarchy, there is disinformation. There's autonomous weapons systems that will have AI built in. And then you kind of get to that point of, uh, as Elon Musk has talked about that super intelligence turning into the Terminator. There are areas, particularly, I think, on the models, uh, not necessarily implementations in the apps, but the actual learning large language models that are driving a lot of the the innovation right now. That's an opportunity to look at licensing. And in part, I think what they're trying to achieve is, is some indemnification that, hey, we, we're playing by the rules. You've put in place guardrails. You've reviewed our, our models. Uh, and if it's abused by someone else outside of uh, our control, then that's not, that's not on us.
0: Protect themselves as well. Um, Chris Krebs, always good to get your analysis. We'll be back in a moment.
3: OK, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: This Memorial Day weekend, we'd also like to pay tribute to the hundreds of thousands of college graduates this year who may be better prepared for real life than those before them. This spring on college campuses from coast to coast, reminders of the unprecedented challenges faced by the class of 2023. A once
2: in a century global pandemic took millions of lives and disrupted life for billions more. America ended our longest war. And Russia launched the first major ground war in Europe since World War II.
0: Some faced more adversity than others. Graduates at the University of Idaho spent an agonizing six weeks without an arrest in the stabbing deaths of four of their fellow students last November.
1: You've gone through a fiscal crisis, a pandemic, and a horrific tragedy. Uh, that could shatter any community but did not here because of the strength and the work and the love that were shown to you.
0: Tulane students had been looking forward to some normalcy in the fall of 2021 after a long year of COVID restrictions. What they didn't expect was an evacuation ahead of what ended up being a Category 4 hurricane.
5: This is a class that came back together after being displaced by Hurricane Ida only to defy expectations, defeat the odds, and question the status quo.
0: The University of Virginia community lived through the horror of one of its own allegedly murdering three and shooting two others just hours after what would become the school's last football game of the season. The
1: deaths of three students, Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry, were devastating. The depth of the loss of these talented and beloved teammates, classmates, and friends, is incalculable.
0: The tragedy, UVA's President Ryan said, on top of COVID, brought more life lessons than could be taught in any classroom.
1: You rose to those challenges with grace and courage. You massed when it mattered and even when it didn't because you cared about this community above all else. And when tragedy struck last November, you organized and attended a silent vigil that brought this community together in profound
8: and powerful ways.
0: UVA's athletic director, Carla Williams, was invited to deliver the school's commencement address.
8: I had decided to politely decline because I just did not know if I had enough left in the tank to give you guys my best. But as fate would have it, I received a text from Deshaun Perry's mom, Miss Happy Perry, asking me if I thought the university would consider allowing her to stand in Deshaun's place today. I said, it's permissible, but are you sure you can do it? She paused and said, yes, he would be very proud of me and I will power through to do it for him. It was in that moment that I knew I would be speaking today.
0: We thank Carla Williams for her perseverance and for offering this sentiment we wish to pass on to all graduates this year.
8: You are bright and shining examples of the best we have to offer. We need your courageous spirit. We need your innovation. We need your creativity. We need your stubbornness. We need your toughness, your brilliance, your grit, and we need your compassion. We need each of you, and we need all of you.
0: We'll be right back. That's it for us today. Thank you all for watching. Until next week, for Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were House Democratic leader, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, Arkansas Republican French Hill, President of the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, Austin Goolsby, Brad Smith, the President and Vice Chair of Microsoft, and Chris Krebs, CBS News cybersecurity expert and analyst. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Shelley Schwartz. Face the Nation originates in CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com, and you can follow Face the Nation and CBS Radio News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our CBS News streaming network on Sundays at 1.30, 4, 10 p.m. Eastern, and again at 4 a.m. the next morning. And it's available through our apps, CBS News and Paramount+. Plus.
1: If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey.
7: Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.
9: The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We
8: were blessed. My mom was amazing.
9: But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe
3: if it wasn't true.